0: listening to the issues on appeal podcast focusing on timely and timeless issues of appellate practice and professionalism here is your host Dwayne Dyker
1: thanks for joining me for episode 59 new age oa this show is again sponsored by court Surety bond agency the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds more about csba later in the show the new normal I know, I know, it's, it's getting trite. But the world keeps changing and adapting, and it seems like OA keeps changing. I'm not sure the changes are done yet, but I wanted to pin down this moment in time with fellow board certified appellate specialist Nick Shanine and kind of see where we are right now. My conversation with Nick is next. So, Nick Shanine, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be back. So you know this puts you in a tied position for the most episodes with a guest appearance at nine. Nine? That, I mean, I know that at five
0: we get our jacket, uh, <laughs> but but I I don't I don't even know what ten is. But apparently I am I need to to race to get one more to to be the, be the first to ten.
1: We'll see what we can do here for sure. So so Nick, here we are. We're two years and two months. Um, I sound like Chuck Woolery there, two and two, (laughs) into the pandemic or through the pandemic or into the endemic phase or whatever we are with COVID-19 and just like, wow, right? Just like, wow, that is exactly right. And COVID has had a marked effect on the legal profession. I want to talk specifically about what we do. Our, our bread and butter as appellate lawyers is oral argument, OA. And I want to talk a little bit about how that procedure has changed uh, and how it's different in different courts now. Sure. That sounds like a, a great topic and happy to chat with you about it. And clearly, it's a moving target for sure. It keeps changing. I wanted to stop and sort of take a snapshot of of where we are in this moment and talk about how it's different in the various DCAs. And certainly neither you or I are saying we're experts or have all the answers in this. Um, and I found the fastest way to find out if you're wrong about something is to say it on an appellate lawyer podcast.
0: <laughs> if if you're ever unsure whether you have listeners just start, start stating random, random statements of of quote fact unquote and, uh, and you'll find out
1: <laughs> for sure. So so let's go DCA by DCA a little bit and talk uh, about the first DCA. Now, I have not been up there uh, since the pandemic, Nick, but I think that uh, you have for oral as, argument. As, or-
0: as it turns out, uh, the first DCA might be the home of more of my appellate oral arguments since the pandemic started than anywhere else with the likely exception of the fifth, which is the district that I, my office happens to be located in. And even with the fifth, it, it it's, that might be a close tie. I have, had, I have had several.
1: So how are things going up there? How are they handling oral argument in our uh, post-pandemic world? Sure. Well, in, it, during the pandemic,
0: they, they, like everyone else, switched to, to the virtual oral arguments. And I definitely handled a couple uh, where I got to remote in. And uh, their system, like all of the others, really worked really well. Uh, The first DCA had uh, a fine and effective uh, virtual setup, uh, but they, I think before anyone else that I'm aware of, uh, converted to live oral arguments. And I got the honor of being in not one, but two oral arguments within a a two week span. uh, The first of which was actually not in Tallahassee. It was in Jacksonville. Uh, (laughs) So, and, and that was the first, Uh, live oral argument the first dca had done outside of tallahassee since the pandemic so i was kind of a guinea pig for them
1: did you have any input on whether it was live or by zoom did they ask you or did they tell you i had zero input on on either of
0: those i got the notices and i'm like um and where's the oa instructions and i kept looking and i didn't see them and then with the one in jacksonville i'm like wait a minute this is in Jacksonville, not virtual in Jacksonville. It's actually in Jacksonville. Uh, so, so the quick answer is no, I did not have input. My understanding was that had I objected after receiving it, uh, that there was a method for doing so. Uh, and, and by objection, I don't think it, it really meant a, I object as much as a, uh, Hey, i would greatly prefer to actually do this virtually for the following reasons um and and my understanding is had i filed such a motion they would have uh, you know considered that request appropriately uh, but given that they had said it and especially the one that they had said in jacksonville um i i, I was certainly not going to upset the apple cart and uh, and and go i went
1: so do you think it's fair to say that the first DCA, that sort of their default position at this point is in-person oral arguments with some opportunity to change? I, I think that's exactly right. The first DCA,
0: uh, both w- where it's located, they, they are in, a, in an area of the state that hasn't been as uh, willing to uh, go virtual. Uh, I think the farther south you go, the more virtual was the norm. The farther north in the state, the less that was the case. Uh, So a matter of straight geography says, yes, their default is live. Um, And I also think the first DCA is unique. They are the only uh, courthouse I'm aware of with two uh, simultaneously running uh, courtrooms for the purpose of oral argument. So they have the capacity to handle a lot of live oral arguments. Uh, And because they've got
1: that capacity, uh, it would be. That uh, makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. The impact of two courtrooms. They definitely are set up for, for live. Let's talk a little bit about the second DCA. Um, I call the second DCA home, uh, at least for now, while it remains <laughs> the second DCA. Uh, you may call it home soon, but that's a different that's a different episode. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll we'll stay away from that topic. But, uh, but I know you are here a lot in the second DCA as well. Um, I I see you here from time to time. So um, I would say that uh, things are a little bit different in the second than in the first. Uh, I think that there is definitely an acceptance of a Zoom oral argument, it looks, if I'm just taking a look at the calendar, it looks like it's about 50-50 with in-person and Zoom oral arguments. Um, I've had an in-person argument since the pandemic, and they are definitely out there. And what's interesting, Nick, I don't know if you've received some of these orders, but the the clerk's office has been kind of working on the language of the order that they sent. Right. <laughs> no, and I've, I've uh, seen it, yes. And the clerk's office is very good about uh, wanting attorney feedback and, you know, uh, getting reactions from lawyers as to what, what does this mean, you know? Um, and so I just got an order this week uh, and they've done the language they've settled on. So when you file a request for OA in the normal fashion, you get an order that says something like this, a request for org oral argument has been filed in this case. Within five days of the date of this order, any party may file a request that the argument be conducted by video. The manner of the oral argument will be decided in the court's discretion. And then it goes on to say that the request must state a reason and support must indicate that you've consulted with opposing counsel and, you know, represent that they do or don't have an objection. Uh, And then a party objecting to a request to conduct by oral argument must file a response within five days after service of the request. So um, this is kind of what we were talking about in the first, but more codified, like they're sort of inviting you uh, when you file a notice of oral argument, they're inviting you to Ask for a Zoom argument right. if you want it. Uh, I tend to think that if the opposing party agrees that you're going to get it, correct. Uh, and if they don't, but of course the court reserves the discretion to do whatever they want. Right, uh, that's their prerogative. But uh, it certainly seems to reflect an openness to Zoom oral arguments. I, I would agree with that.
0: I think that the default at the first is clearly live, whereas at the second, it's it is it seems to me from from what I've seen on those orders and that it is truly a hey y'all you, you guys tell us and we want to know that up front uh, cuz that's it that isn't it's not a leading question it's not <laughs> a we've set it for this live time but if you'd like to switch it to virtual let us know instead it's a well we've received a request for oral argument before we even start that process of setting it we want to hear from you i think that's that's very foot forward i it's user friendly um, the second, I think, has has always been in my mind famous for a user friendly uh, setup. Uh, you know, hats off to to that uh, the clerk's office there for making it as accommodating as possible. Um, and uh, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes, uh, especially if I if I wind up adopting the second as my home <laughs> district. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, our clerk will probably wind up in the
0: sixth. So yeah, that's correct. I don't get to keep 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 the the great great clerk, but um, we'll we'll see how that cookie crumbles. It's yet to yet to be be uh, congealed in the oven there. But uh, I I completely agree with with the way that you've uh, you've put it. That it is a, a very open fifty uh, fifty kind of mix. It seems at the second and and in my mind, I I'm going to promote that that it stay that way. I Uh I like the idea of some some arguments make more sense to be live and some do not. Uh, And keeping that open uh, both both fits for the current uncertainty of where we are in the, as you stated, the opening pandemic, endemic, new demic, uh, whatever might be. Um, It keeps the flexibility open. And at the same time, it accommodates different types of uh, of attorneys and cases better. So says me.
1: And while this is not directly pandemic related, I think it's completely unconnected to the pandemic. But the second DCA has also recently changed their policy about granting oral arguments. Um, It used to be the case that you essentially always got oral argument on a final order appeal, as long as both sides are represented by counsel, that still remains true. Uh, But in the past, you would rarely get oral argument on uh, interlocutory appeals and uh, extraordinary writs. And they have sort of opened the door to that, uh, to making those requests. And they changed their IOPs. And it has been my experience that they are, in fact, uh, granting more oral arguments on types of cases that they would not have previously. So um, I have learned of, something today. Uh, yeah, that so is there are lots of opportunities. Because, because that that is exactly
0: the, the way it is with the fifth, has always been. Uh, precisely what you just said—that uh, both attorneys representing each side—it's a final order appeal. If anybody asks one side, boom, you're getting your oral argument, um, and uh, and that has stayed true, with the exception of the oral argument withdrawn uh, OAW, where uh, every you know everyone thought they were scheduled for an oral argument, and then two weeks before the OA the fifth will will sometimes say, you know what, we've looked at this and we don't need that argument after all. And they'll, they'll let you know, they always let you know at least two weeks out so that you can reasonably cancel travel plans, et cetera. Um, uh, but that was, that was the one change in the fifth DCA's practice, uh, that started pre pandemic and it's uh, definitely carried on, you know, past that. Um, and I'm sorry to mix. I know you were running first to fifth and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, the second and the fifth has always in my mind been, been kind of inter- interchangeable a little bit anyway, that, uh, Uh, there, there's similar practitioners. It's a, you know, same geographical area, just two sides of the, of the same region. Um, And they had the same OA policy in general. You ask for it, you get it. If it's final, if it's non-final, rare as hen's teeth. Um, And you're telling me that that is shifting in the second. And that is, you know what, especially where zoom oral arguments can be done. Why not? Uh, Let's let, there are, there are cases that are non-final cases that are absolutely as either factually complex or novel, uh, or legally significant. Uh, and there's no reason that those shouldn't be considered for oral argument. Uh, I certainly get it if there's not enough room at the end, uh, and with live oral arguments being the only way you can do it, then yeah, that could have been the case that you just can't fit in the oral arguments for non-finals, so as a policy decision, you just decide you're not doing that. But now that we can, because you, know, you can certainly do more virtual OAs in a day than you could live. It just it's easier to get things in and out, and and uh, I definitely could see them saying we can we can accommodate some of these non-finals. Let's go.
1: Yeah, it would be curious to know whether you know, the technology or the, 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 the zoominess uh, had any impact on that decision. I don't know if it did or not. Uh, I guess that would be a question for the court, but it certainly does seem to make sense that the technology does make it easier. Agreed. Today's show is sponsored by Court Surety Bond Agency, the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds. If you have a client needing to stay enforcement of a judgment in Florida or any other state or federal court, contact CSBA. Chances are you don't deal with appellate bonds on a daily basis. But when you do, it's important and it's urgent. CSBA has an extensive collection of educational and reference materials on their website, including articles like, How Much Does an Appeal Bond Cost? or Using Real Estate to Secure Appeal Bonds and even Has a State-by-State Guide to Appeal Bond Requirements. But if you still have questions or just want to talk to a knowledgeable appellate bond specialist, call CSBA at 877-810-5525. Their contact information is always in the show notes, but I suggest you take an opportunity right now to add their contact information to your own contact list so you're ready the next time your client needs a court bond. CSBA is a national agency that assists with court bonds all over the United States, but has extensive experience in Florida. In addition to being a longtime sponsor of this podcast, CSBA is a premier sponsor of the Florida Bars Appellate practice section. The next time your client needs a supersedious bond, please give court surety bond agency a call. These folks are experts in this area. They'll guide you and your client through the process, giving you one less thing to worry about. So what about the third DCA? Um, I don't spend a lot of time down there, but recently I have. Um, I have had two cases. They were related cases. I filed a request for oral argument in both, and uh, one was denied. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the uh, third. In a case that I would have gotten argument in the second, uh, was denied in the third. And uh, the other did get set. And it seems to me their order is uh, similar, to the second DCA's order, um, I have the order in front of me here. So when, when, I, when the case yeah. gets set for oral argument, it includes a, a bold all caps <laughs> <laughs> paragraph that says uh, the parties may select in-person or remote appearance. Uh, counsel must confer and seek agreement upon the method of appearance prior to completing and returning the attached notice of acknowledgement form. And then it says, upon receipt of the acknowledgement form, the court shall send out a notice of in person, if all persons, if all parties agree to in person; remote, if all parties agree to appear remotely; or hybrid, if one or more parties will appear in person, but the others will appear remotely for oral argument. Now that that's a wrinkle; that's
0: different. I've not heard yeah. any other court <laughs> promoting. So far, it seems like the 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 other courts we've talked about want it one or the other. You're all here, or we're all on Zoom. Uh, the idea of a hybrid—that is—that is unique. Uh,
1: yeah, it is really different. And the other thing I noticed because, uh, and when I had the argument, I noticed that the court on the same day will schedule both Zoom and non-Zoom cases consecutively on the same calendar. So like, wow. I was in the waiting room waiting for my zoom argument and watched two people argue in person in the courtroom. And then it swapped to me and my opposing counsel for our zoom argument. And then it may have swapped back. I don't know. I stopped watching That's Uh, wild. Yeah. And the judges literally sat at the bench and did their zoom from the bench. As together. though they were doing a live oral argument, but. Yes. <laughs> so um, they are truly mixing and matching virtual and live presence. And now I have yet to see one where somebody was live and somebody was Zoom in the same argument. And I wouldn't like that. Um, <laughs> you, I wouldn't not, want I'm, to be the one guy on Zoom. But it's but they are definitely taking a forward thinking approach that, uh you're live, your are Memorex, it doesn't matter, you know, you're here.
0: I'll say I have not done a hybrid, obviously, an oral argument, but I have participated hybrid in a trial court hearings. Sometimes I get the honor of playing attorney fee expert, and uh, I have been brought in via Zoom to play expert on a hearing where the other attorneys were there live. Um, and it worked out remarkably well. Um, I could see them on the big camera, and uh, at the same time, I'm on my little camera, and the the judge can can see me directly, and the other parties can see me too, and yeah, it 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 worked. But it, you know, there I'm kind of like special guest star status right. instead of a co participant in it. And uh, um, but it, you know, kudos to the third for thinking outside the box. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that's actually kind of kind of interesting. I I I'm with you that I would de- definitely encourage parties to work together to both be there or both be by Zoom uh, as opposed to trying to, to, to have that, you know, one on and one off scenario. But yeah. if, if, if the court can work with even that, then you know, we've reached a, a true height of flexibility. That's uh, that's kind of impressive.
1: I, I thought it was an interesting dynamic because if the opposing lawyer in my argument had said, no, I want to be in person, I probably would have compelled, felt compelled to go in person, right? Um, so it does give uh, it creates a little bit of a power imbalance there right. in favor of in person appearance. If you think like I think and like you think, you know, right. but but you know, I, you can't really complain about giving people choices of how to do their argument. Although I'll say this, I could see if I am the appellee on a case
0: that I think is. You know, there's there's no reasonable chance that this is going to go the wrong direction. Um, then the other side insists I'm going there live. I might say, all right, you go. I, I'm going to be here on the computer and yeah. uh, uh, enjoy yourself over there. Uh, <laughs> and, and in a way, I could actually see converting it into a, a power play the opposite way, uh, where I'm perfectly fine to sit here on my two by three screen and uh, watch you get bombs thrown at you over there live. Uh, enjoy yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, 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 you know, I, I think again, it's best if we can match the parties, you know, keep the salt and pepper sets of the same type, but you know, it, it can, it could possibly even work to have them be different. If the parties really can't work it out.
1: The only other note I had for the third was that, um, tech wise is that one of the windows in the zoom is the courtroom clock, ah, um, which is yes. kind of nice because the third DC actually has a courtroom clock. That's visible from the podium yeah. where like the second does not. So you don't get a, you don't get a zoom courtroom clock cause there is no courtroom clock. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the fifth also has, has the courtroom clock. I mean, I, I know they've got it live
0: and I believe they have it on their virtual as well. Um, whereas, you know, the, the, the first, I'm pretty sure when I did it, I don't remember a, a clock on my on my thing, and you have to keep your own own time going. Um, but it, it all, you know, once you've done these enough, we kind of have a clock in our head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that we know that we know the time is nigh, and and look for the dismount. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I like the, the the courts. If you're going to have virtual, just go ahead and spend one camera on a clock because um, why not.
1: Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the 4th, but uh, you and I chatted briefly before the podcast that we don't have a lot of experience in the 4th, so I'm not sure it's going to be super enlightening. No, well, and part of the reason why, I do have a few cases in the 4th,
0: but they tend to be, uh, it's just maybe anecdotal, but uh, uh, they have decided we don't need oral argument on cases there more than any other DCA I've been part of. Yeah. Um, And uh, that's, that's okay, too. Uh, they, they, they obviously know whether they need oral argument or not. And if they decide they don't, then, then, you know, let's, let's short circuit this process, shall we? And that's what they do. Um, so I have yet to have a fourth either, um, virtual or post pandemic live. I've been there live a couple times pre pandemic, but,
1: uh, and it's a lovely courthouse love, love that building. Well, I noticed that they kind of are very upfront about being, stingy on oral argument because there's a, there's a notice right on their website that says, um, I'm paraphrasing, but it says rule nine point three two zero authorizes the court to require, limit, expand, or dispense with oral argument. And so they require, uh, in your request that you give a specific but brief reason as to why oral argument is necessary. You can designate whether you need, you think you need 10, 15 or 20 minutes per side, uh, you know, I think they're sort of setting a tone that um, you're not necessarily going to get oral argument. You should probably explain to us why you need it. I agreed. I think that's,
0: well, we, we, we see that in the print that you're, you're, you're reading and we know it from our practice that, uh, that, you know, cases that would have absolutely been granted in the second or fifth as almost as of right. Um the fourth goes, we don't don't read that right into that rule. And and they're not wrong. The the rule doesn't create a right. The simply the practice of the second and fifth was two attorneys, someone asked for OA, it's a final order, we'll do OA.
1: Now that being said, I also took a look at their calendar. Um interestingly, they they tend to have a lot of OA days that only have one case set. Uh but (laughs) I, it looked like a mix. It looked like a mix to me between in-person and Zoom and maybe about 50-50-ish. So that seems to seems to be kind of the, the like way the everything going goes. Trend for, for everything south of the
0: first is, is a 50-50 kind of thing. But with the fourth being just a lot fewer of them.
1: So let's talk about the fifth a little bit, Nick. What's what's yeah. your experience been like there with? Um, so, so the fifth DCA, they actually
0: pre-pandemic were trying to uh, work in a virtual potential anyway. Uh, Judge Cohen has been advocating uh, for a while the idea of virtual oral arguments, and uh, the the tech has been the issue. Um, that uh, the one courtroom that had the type of tech that was necessary was in Marion County, um, so people didn't really take advantage of Judge Cohen's um, you know opportunity to do virtual oral arguments pre pandemic. Because uh, at that point in time, it kind of meant you had to be in Marion County <laughs> to do it. Uh, which for me, it's easier to get to Daytona than it is to get to to Ocala, or at least equally easy. So I might as well show up live. But uh, you know, clearly the thought was already there. Let's consider virtual. So when the uh, the switch over happened, uh, the fifth was ready, and uh, their their OAs went. Uh, really seamlessly. Uh, the clerk was on it for the pretest and the, uh, the oral arguments, uh, seem, seem to go just fine. Um, you know, post pandemic, well, we're not post pandemic, but in the endemic, whatever you know, we are, yeah. whatever we are, uh, they have, they have definitely made the migration to live as well. They've been doing that since December. Um, but uh, they still do have virtual as well. I'm not sure if it's 50 50, uh, or whether it might be a little more live than than virtual. But uh, they 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 seem to be matching uh, the other Southern DCAs with with doing both. I've never heard of a hybrid at the fifth. That that I think is unique to the third. And do they ask your preference uh, after you file a yeah. notice? Uh, they they don't have the same form that I've or at least I haven't seen the same form that you've gotten in the second. Where instead it's simply there is a standing administrative order that says you know you may ask within ten days of a setting for gotcha. uh, for it to be done this way or that way. But uh, I think the default is we'll do it the way we decided we were going to tell you to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that, you know, that makes sense. It is interesting that they were considering, you know, remote argument before COVID because so much of the advances in remote appearances in court were driven 100% by COVID. Uh the fact that the 5th DCA was kind of on top of this and and forward thinking before um, is interesting. And I, I think everybody agrees at this point that that remote oral argument isn't going anywhere. Uh, we're, we're, we're keeping it. And yeah. I think that's a good
0: thing. It's a, it's good to have as an additional option, a tool in our bag to use for for correct cases. You know, if it's Florida Supreme Court issues of great public importance, um, you know, uh, conflict between districts, that sort of thing, it's like, of course, you want that to be a live oral argument. Um, and if it's you know a, a matter of great public importance at the DCA, you, you'd you'd prefer that to be a live oral argument. But if it's a you know a routine, competent, substantial evidence question, or you know uh, other other you know well, I can interpret statute this way or I can interpret statute that way. We, we can we can talk about that just fine on a two by three screen
1: as well as live. Yeah. Um, so I'm 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 comfortable with it. It's different for trial lawyers, right? It's different for evidentiary hearings. It's different for things where credibility is an issue and people need to see the witnesses. But for what you and I do mostly, for what we do as appellate lawyers, when we're we're talking uh, law stuff with an informed audience of, you know, educated and intelligent jurists. um, Educated and intelligent jurists who have
0: actually studied your specific case before you ever get there. Um, it's, it's a hundred percent different from six jurors who were specifically chosen because they know nothing about anything related to your case. If they knew even a little bit, they're off the jury. Uh, yeah, that you're, that's the, it is a fundamentally different type of litigation. And we are, happen to be uniquely well-suited for virtual arguments Uh, even if it might not be quite as fun.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's definitely not as fun to see everybody and to go, you know, to get dressed up and feel like a lawyer and and do it. Um, I'm glad we have those opportunities again, Uh, but I'm also glad that we have, uh, options. Well, Nick, thanks so much. I, I fear that uh, the snapshot we have taken of uh, where things stand, you know, it, it may be out of date tomorrow. Uh,
0: uh, or, or I think I just got a new order from, <laughs> from the 4th. <fourth. laughs> You're right. exactly right. But We're going
1: to talk about where we all are and where we're going. And, you know, when things change, we'll talk about it again. And that would be my 10th.
0: And then I can get, get a, uh, I guess, a robe to go with my jacket. Absolutely. Well, st- stay near your phone. Sounds great, Dwayne. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Mark, ahead,
1: You got it. Thanks again to Nick Shanine for being my guest on the show. Now, you may have noticed that there have not been many shows lately. I will tell you that I've had a lot going on personally and professionally, and I kind of ran out of things I wanted to talk about. I blame it on the pandemic and general isolation related malaise. I just wasn't getting out and talking with appellate folks and having the conversations that spark the ideas for shows. I just haven't had many opportunities to get together with real live appellate lawyers in years. I hope and and I do think that that's changing. So the podcast isn't done, it's not going away, but I'm not promising a regular schedule either. I'll do episodes as they strike me, but a few things have my attention right now, so many, many thanks to my wonderful sponsor, CSBA, for supporting the show and being tolerant of the most recent intermittent schedule. Please consider using Court Surety Bond Agency for your client's appellate bond needs. Their contact information is in the show notes. Please take a moment now, add it to your contact so that you're ready when your client needs a supersedious bond. Remember, podcasts are never legal advice, and nothing that I say or my guests say should ever be interpreted as legal advice for any particular situation. But if you're a lawyer who needs the help of an appellate lawyer, I'm happy to try and help. My contact information is also always in the show notes. The next episode will release when it's ready. I'm working on an idea that's ripped from the headlines, as they say on Law & Order. Sound intriguing? I hope that you will continue to download And listen. Thank you for considering this week's Issues on Appeal.